All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Yes. 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 Yes.
my brother is 13 years older than me, and it's just me and him over 18. And so his, it was in his own collection when I saw that record. And you know, at three years old, you don't even know what cool is. And I don't know why I was so attracted to that, to that band. But I love the Toys in the Attic cover, the Rocks cover, the Draw Line cover. And then the covers were very often, but then I like the music too. It just sucked me in, and I have no explanation of why. I was like three or four years old. And it just, it just, I just got it. He's a guy
are so sentimental and emotionally attached. This was a piece of shit. <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, the, the strings were like side-stripping like the neck. And no matter what you did to it, there was just no keeping this guitar in tune. I remember now, and I was taking lessons at that point. And <laughs> you know my teacher. When you're young, you had to let me know. You know, we're trying to encourage you. He's like, dude, your guitar sucks. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I 
soon as I got to go with the band, we started making our own music and like, you know, trying to make it and shit. And God, I've been 16 for maybe a month, and, and we got to play the cannery with any of you national And it's pretty cool to play a packed cannery when you're 16 years old in sophomore high school. And, you know, my bandmates were my age, too, so he had us back the next month and put us on at 10.30, and, I mean, that's like a sold-out cannery, and, I mean, I thought I'd made it. Me and the singer thought we made it, so we kicked the other guys out of the band, and we went to Nashville. I mean, what an awesome bunch of stories about how you get started, but how do you move into becoming professional musicians? You guys make a living making music. You guys are out there grinding today. Jeremy, you've done work with uh, John Carabelli. John Carabi, and uh, I played in a band called The Shazam for about 15 years. It's kind of a cheap trick-ish type band. I was actually kind of filled sort of through that band when he saw a gig. That pretty much occupied my whole life. I didn't really play for other people or anything. I, I never really, it was never part of my plan. I always thought I was going to make it with my band. And then, you know, activities slowed down, and I hung out with Philip, and we just kind of started playing together for fun. And then I met Ryan, and a big rock show happened, and then suddenly live music and, and you know, cover tunes and play for other artists took over. That was never part of my plan. It just sort of happened. And that's one of the things, you know, I, I just want to thank you on John Crowley for one live in Nashville. Obviously, it's not one that a lot of people in this audience already have. And if you don't, she moved up again. It's fantastic, especially for what the album that's underrepresented and a lot of great songs. I wonder what's your favorite song to perform with John? I like Welcome to the Numb because he said we couldn't do it. <laughs> he publicly said we couldn't do it. But at the end of the day, So that's what they want. 
started here, I was born in the basement and doing that, I was able to go for free. And one of our audiences was Desmond Child. And Desmond flew me out to LA, he was working with a band. Fast forward, I ended up being here in the dog, we got a deal. And the one thing that I learned that it took me over 20 years to learn it was, you know, I always thought you wrote original music and you did whatever it took, and which is what you're supposed to do to get a record deal and that kind of thing. But there was a part of that deal that got towards the end of it where I, every morning I wake up and felt like I was even get, kicking the balls on the table every day. It just, it just wasn't working. And we did three records and it fell apart and I was unhappy with the way things were going. Fast forward again, I come to Nashville, do a big rock show, literally for fun. There was nothing else. It was literally for fun, we did it for free, we were looking for money, we were playing with friends. It takes off, all of, start, all of a sudden we start making money. But then, because of that, we get offered the Gene Simmons gig. And it was purely because I was doing the band for fun. I changed everything, it wasn't about business, it wasn't about any of that stuff. And then it turned into Dream Gig with two guys. And it's just, it just goes to show you, man. It took me 20 years to figure that out. But if it's, you can't do it just for business. It's, you have to love it. And, and, and now when I started doing something, I really love to have fun doing it. There was no pretense of like, oh my God, this might sink. It all started to work. So it's pretty cool. But the residency, Jeremy and I did the residency the same reason. We just worked. We had a slow April in 2014. And so we just started and people kept coming. So we, then again, we had no like, no, we're going to do this and this and this. And like, yeah, we're just going to play for a lot of our friends. And it became a lot bigger. Especially with the residency and our song selection, it doesn't necessarily appeal to people because we do most of these songs that are obscure and, you know, maybe a little deep. And... Most cover bands do songs that people expect them to do. I mean, even Big Rock Show, we're, we're 80s jukebox, and you are going to know every song we play, but that's not necessarily the attitude of the residency. Yeah, so really it's very, very selfish. Yeah, we didn't really follow a, 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 a popular plan. Like, we're going to play songs that not everybody knows, and we're going to do it outside a patio in our bar. We can sing a Jeremy single hand and we introduce, we introduce most of Nashville to Alex Harvey. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. yeah, everybody thinks it was yeah. Robbie and Dead Daisies, but... I mean, Case. No. Yeah. Oh, no. Case. Yeah. <laughs> so 2011, Big Rock Show gets invited on the Kiss crew. Yeah. yeah. How, how the hell does that happen? Doc McGee. Doc McGee. I've known Doc for a long time, and we, we got together for coffee. You know, Doc, man, just kiss. We got together for coffee one morning. Because you're not going yeah. to... Hey, you're not going to talk about this. It's like a guy said they're going to do a cruise. <laughs> And, you know, they had a book, and he goes, look, this guy Robbie Stanley, he's a town guy for six man. You want to do this on a rock show? Because Doc used to come see us. And every time that we'd be upstairs drinking beer, he'd bring on a big rock show, Doc would walk upstairs and go, put in his watch, like, hurry up. I'm like, you want me to see this? You're ready to play. So anyway, he invited us on, and man, we got invited on every Kiss Cruise after that to play with those guys. And it was so cool. And then it was 16, 17, I can't remember. I just Alan ran Alan blew an email from Gene. He got my email from not even from Doc. He got six he was sixteen because we started on seventeen. Yeah. And he's like, hey, uh, I'm gonna go on a solo tour. You wanna put you wanna put together a band? I was like, I'd love to do that. He's just talking on the boat. So I went on the boat and we played that, that that's the one I did featured, right? Yeah. And uh, I was supposed to meet Gene the first day, then Christina called me, she says, You can't meet you, you gotta be tomorrow. I'm like, okay. 
fast forward. Second day, can't move. Third day, been for the last day of the cruise. I'm like, oh, father's gonna go down. And then they called my room. They're like, hey, you want to watch some Gene? And I got together with him. We were down for about, I don't know, an hour. Had lunch, I talked to shit. He corrected my grammar. <laughs> and uh, he goes, man, he goes, just, I like the band. I recognize you guys. I don't care who you get. I don't care what they look like. I just want to kick ass band. I'm like, done. And before I got the boat, I knew who I was going to get. Got home, we put it together, and we, we met in uh, Nashville in December. We rehearsed once, and he refused to play kiss songs. But also, I mean, he was not going to play bass. He was just going to sing. And that's how we went out with three guitar players, because we were just going to pass the bass around. And then good sense prevailed, and he played bass. But you can't get rid of anybody, and that's how the three guitar thing was born. And, and we loved it, because it sounded like a goddamn symphony. That's what he said. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because getting to play with that guy, always, we always recognize his bass playing on records and stuff and seeing him live. But what a stylist, and man, his bass is on stun. It's two eight, it's two eight tens, and he gains it out. And the minute he just plays like, imagine that we got the God of Thunder. Nobody will play those notes like that guy. Very sick with you. And the minute you play what sounds like, it just feels like something that you've never felt before. He is so underrated as a as a bass player. And, and didn't you know he would pull out and screw shit all the time? And he would tell us every song that he ripped off. Yeah, like, uh, Bitch was, uh, Deuce. Deuce is Bitch. Uh, what about uh, Mountain? Oh, uh, Mountain, um, uh, that's, uh, Watching Me is you. a combination of One Under a Bad Sign and Never In My Life. Yeah. The one that threw me for a loop was, uh, and going blind, the da 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 And would tell you over and over and over again. Alright, so you've all been very close around Gene. Yeah. What would be something that you could tell these guys I'm really surprised with about Gene Simmons? Uh, without getting you in trouble. She is the most complimentary, yeah. generous, yeah. generous yeah. person I've ever met. Yeah. I would get to the hotel every night after the show, and I would say more often than not, because you know, the first thing he would do is go online and watch social media and watch videos of the show. And uh, he would say, hey, this is great. We need more of this. Ah, don't do that. We're not, remember, we're not a cheating man. He would give notes. But it was always a note. It would be like, thank you for making me look so great. I mean, this happened, right? How many times? And I forwarded to the guys, you know, and you're like, you guys make me look so good. Thanks for always being on your game. Thanks for making me, you know, getting the sample of approval from that guy was just awesome because, you know, we were remembering how tough he was. And not nice that he was, and man, it's just, he treated us like kiss. He really did. He was good. Yeah, traveling when we get off, when we flew commercial, and we, when we get off the plane, there'll be a greeter that will take us to the next flight, and go, okay, Mr. Simmons, we're going to go to the business class lounge, and they go, well, can the guys come? And if they said, well, no, only you, he'd go, well, I'm not going unless the guys can come. He never left us. And on the rare occasion that we couldn't get in, he would go to whatever murder joint in the airport that we went to and sit there and mess with the staff and take pictures with everybody. I mean, he, he really enjoys being Jesus. But he was very, he was very Elvis too, because Elvis always did that thing. There's always these stories of people that work with Elvis, and whenever people would want pictures, Elvis was like, welcome, welcome, you're welcome. 
And when we go to the airport, so Gene just wouldn't stop. He wanted your photo. He said, look, look, keep walking, keep walking. I can't stop walking. And then they wouldn't let me stop. Like, they don't want me to stop. And yeah, if anybody, if anybody wanted to sign, signing things in the airport was weird. But his excuse for that was, they won't let me. What? Who the fuck is they? Yeah, that we did 
And then, like, you know, Ryan is kind of like our point guard. And I'm thinking, well, Ryan's going to be good with his heart part. Shit, I hope I see what. But no, it's like, oh, man, I kind of went, I played a little bit of bass in the residency on a couple tunes for once in a while. I really like doing it. So I thought, I play bass? You know, 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 Well, it, it, it doesn't matter who it is, the time kind of matters, we have kind of a time period. 
you were sick with, but what would we do, like Gary Wright to Iron Maiden to the Doobies to Sugarloaf to Sugarloaf to Pat Travers to Judas Priest to accept? So it's everything from 70s AM radio to yeah, the new wave of British heavy metal. And like seriously, everything in between. So ultimately, it's your guys' favorite greatest hits. So of his girlfriend's records in his Alright, final question. What's your favorite guitar that came in the collection? Or your apps? Or your Absolutely. My 1977 Gibson RD standard. Uh, 82 West Walk Custom. I've got a, I've got an Explorer. It's a 76 Green Shoe Explorer. Alright, now she'll rock up on the next one. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.